Welcome to Happily Ever After is Real, interviews and conversations with women, created to share wisdom, strength, joy, and inspiration for finding true love in a busy and constantly changing world. I'm Tricia Bennett. On behalf of myself and all of our guests, welcome and enjoy. I want to welcome Fabi Pressler to the show today. Thanks so much for being here with us today, and we'll jump right in. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How long have you been married? Do you have children? That sort of thing. I am married, and we're going to celebrate 32 years this year, and we have a 31-year-old daughter. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I think long-term marriages are quite an accomplishment these days. Well, we're we're kind of loving it. So it's just a wonderful way of life for us. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's just a true partnership. So I want you to tell us more about that. So how did you meet your husband, and how did you know he was the one? I met my husband on a job interview, or more so as an introduction into the new team. So I had applied at the Charlotte Observer, where I'm a graphic designer, and I had applied for a job there many, many years ago and did not get the job, went and landed employment somewhere else. And then, what is it, three or four months later, I got a call to re-interview. I re-interviewed and then was called back to a second interview and was offered the position then. And as I accepted the position, they actually took me on a tour to some of the departments I'd be working with. And I was going to be working in the creative department, and we would work hand-in-hand with promotions. And so I walked by the promotions department, and they were getting ready to introduce us, and there was this man leaning over a drafting board. All I could see was the top of his dark curly hair. And when he lifted up his head, those bright blue eyes looked straight into mine. And there were literally lightning bolts that went from the top of my head to the tip of my toes. My first reaction reaction was, oh my gosh, I have to stay so far away from this person because Mm. Whatever, whoever he is, will change my life. So that was my thoughts. Wow. His thoughts were, is, wow, I just met the woman I'm going to marry. And wow. that's what he said to his boss. Yeah, so I left for the, the two-week um, in-between, you know, where I was going to be hired, had to leave my other job. And and the day that I started working there, I, I tried so hard <laughs> to to actually not spend time with him. But I obviously wasn't trying too hard because as a group, we all went out that night. And honestly, I have been with him almost every single day since the day that we met. God, that is amazing. There's there's a great (laughs) quote I read recently, and it said, you know that tingly feeling when you're initially attracted to someone? That's common sense leaving your body. (laughs) Yes. Mine came with like lightning bolts, and it was, you know, <laughs> wow. it, it was an unforgettable moment. Wow. So in terms of that first experience and you guys really sort of being inseparable from that moment on, what did you have to know and trust about yourself in order to be married? 
Well, I was very independent. I had come out of several short, not good relationships. I'd never had a long-term relationship because I had decided to focus on getting my career started. I was choosing to trust, and actually all that came in phases. I was Mm. only 21 when I met him. Mm-hmm. And everything seemed to be moving so fast and was so comfortable and so complex and easy at the same time. But then he was my first. He's the mm. first man I made love to, and we became pregnant the very first time. So I committed to him that first time. I was terrified to tell him I was pregnant, mm. so much so that I had just gone through the whole scenario and mentally prepared myself to realize that I needed to be able to raise this child on my own because mm-hmm. I couldn't tell him with expectations of having to have him say something or do something then. I mean, I was clueless as <laughs> to what I yeah. needed to do at that point. But when I told him, he was so ecstatically overjoyed that yeah. all, all I could focus on was how complicated it was make you know, it would make things, but all he was focused on was the good stuff so that in his heart he and I committed to each other forever at that point. Wow. I mean, we were both graphic designers. We had very little money. We had no money saved. We were making very low salaries and he proposed to me one on one knee with the sweetest of words in his apartment. My ring was a cigar band on a cigar that was given to one of his friends from one of wow, his friends. Wow, you're a away. real cigar band yes, fiance. Yeah, it was for real. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yep, you know, my parents knew that this relationship was not going to work because this was just not the way everything was supposed to happen. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, we'll be married 32 years this year. And they're still waiting for it to end? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but both of theirs did end, so that's a whole other wow. story. <laughs> wow, Okay. Yeah. Well, we learn from the mistakes of others as, as well as our own. Very true. Wow. So what's the age difference between you and your husband? Five years. Five years. Had he had any other significant relationships before he met you? He was married for two years. Hmm. Yep, and they realized that they did not belong together. So I'm actually eternally grateful for her because she just, you know, did some good training ground. <laughs> uh-huh. That is often how it happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of the things we talk about a lot around the programs that I do is the the value of having other women in your life to support you. Did you have good women friends when you met your husband? Oh. Were they supportive of you to and through the process? I had some really good women friends, um, although I went through most of this process early on by myself, you know, mm-hmm. I just felt like it was a, a personal process. It was something my, my family wasn't really thrilled with. On my wedding night, my even my mother even reminded me that I didn't need to do this because I didn't have to have a man in my life. And I was, wow. uh, you know, the night before my wedding, and it was just like, well, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> so realized yeah. that early on that it was really the two of us and that it was us as a team. But you know what? Women are just such an incredible part of my life. Women and girlfriends have always been an important part and instrumental to like the emotional strength and my professional strength and Mm -hmm. conversations and their perspectives are, are very different than what my husband's is. And so it's always been a very critical thing to maintain some good, strong relationships. And each one of my best girlfriends each have their husband as their best friends as well. So mm-hmm. that's just really important 
yeah. to be able to have those strong female friendships. Do you feel like you started collecting married women when you got married as you continued to be married and the years went by that you sort of found other women who had the same kind of marriages that you had that could support you? Um, I think they all evolved that way. I mean, I have some mm-hmm. friends who have become divorced and have remarried, so I, they weren't selected or kept or changed mm-hmm. because of their relationship status, but more right. so for the person that they are and yep. the person that we are when we were together and the types of conversations that we have. Right. And, I mean, I'm not a really girlfriend-girl kind of thing. I mean, you know, we, we may talk a couple times a year and hopefully we see each other a couple times a year. I mean, the relationships are deep, but they're not codependent or needy in any way, shape, or form. That's great. I feel like I have women in my life who I maybe don't talk to for a year or more, but I feel very connected to them and feel like if I needed to dial their number that Anytime. they would always have wisdom and advice and comfort if I needed it. Yeah, or a silly giggle. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I find that so important. That's one of the keys, <laughs> the keys to mine and Larry's relationship. I mean, it, it's, it's laughter because, oh, my gosh, sometimes we are just laughing through the tears because it's just hard. <laughs> yeah. But we yeah. find a way to laugh at something silly just every day. Yeah. That's great. So you just said humor. What would you say the gifts of your marriage are? Um, The biggest gift of my marriage is a true, real, unshakable love and trust. It took Mm. took us a great deal of work to get there. Uh Um, And everyone has to find their ways to shed off and deal with all their past, all their personal baggage, all that stuff that weighs you down as a person and makes you question everyone around you. Mm. Uh, I mean, mine was pretty heavy. I mean, he had a lot to deal with, Uh Uh, but he's also a very, very patient man, which was the gift that, that I needed in order to be able to grow up and become a strong woman and a strong wife and mother. Mm. Is there any part of your struggle that you would be willing to share? Any sort of issues that you had to overcome? My yeah. parents are both um, both immigrated into the state, so we were the foreigners in a very small town. Mm. And my fa- both of my parents are very creative And my father was a chef, and they both had strong accents. And as Mm -hmm. a chef, he thought he could open up a a restaurant with no business skills. And so, unfortunately, that that business failed. And in that business failing, we lost the farm that we lived on. We lost the Mm -hmm. restaurant. We lost the home that I lived at for nine years. And all this happened the summer before my senior year of high school. And so I was transplanted from one state to another into um, a family friend's home into a new school my senior year. So that's got a lot of stuff. And then Mm. I was 17 when I graduated and decided I needed to go and start my own life. And so I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina by myself with no money, no car, no family support. At 17? 
at 17. Wow. And I also got my, my U.S. citizenship during that time, just in time for turning 18. I was pretty much focused on being super independent, very strong-headed. I was a deep introvert, but none of that mattered because I needed to survive. Mm-hmm. And so taking all that into a relationship, that's, there's some heavy baggage there because yeah. who do you trust? Who's actually going to watch your back? You know, all that weird stuff. And then Mm -hmm. stuff with your family not even supporting you Mm -hmm. and trying to start a new family. Yeah. So he had some some big work to do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it sounds like you did too. Oh, I absolutely did. You did the work. He was just patient. (laughs) Very. That's what I was saying, just being such a patient man. I mean, that Mm. that to me was a gift from the universe because it it allowed me the space to – to, to shed all that and to, and to grow up and to, yeah, just to grow up and become a confident woman. Yeah. And, I mean, you said right after you got married, you had a child. And so yeah. you're, you're raising a child together and trying to trust. Yes. Yeah. You just really jumped in with both feet. <laughs> both feet on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a great yeah, way yeah. to say it, yeah. Well, from the day that we met till the day that we were holding our child was a year. So we met, went through, you know, it just, yeah, that was yeah. a year fast, 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 fast. Fast, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, so what would you like for single women to have that they don't have now? I didn't attract Larry into my life until I reached that point where I didn't feel like I wanted or needed to have a man in my life. Mm. I was, you know, I needed and wanted to build my career, and I was really focused on it. I also, I also needed to give of my heart, and actually, I had signed up to become a big sister in the Big Brother Big Sister program because yeah. I felt like I wanted to give of my heart. Um, I was turned down, which crushed me. I just had this stirring that I wanted to have a young girl to help share my heart with. I felt like I had already gone through so much, and I just wanted to lift up another child and to give her what I couldn't. Mm. I, I, I didn't have any family in the United States, and none of my friends or coworkers had young kids, so I wanted to be able to borrow one and be able to help one. Right. Honestly, it wasn't until later that I realized the universe actually had plans for me in a very near future because all the, you know I was actually going to give birth to my own daughter yeah but I didn't know all that <laughs> just, uh-huh. I, yeah yeah yep. yeah I have a sister of my own I mean she lives in another another town but yeah I just wanted to give I just was feeling mm. like it was that part of my life but you know I'm sure there's all kinds of spiritual connections and, you know, mm. how I brought all this on. But the biggest thing I could tell to single women is just to really make sure that a relationship isn't consuming you. I mean, just don't let it mm-hmm. consume you yeah. about what you don't have and and really start clearing out all your own emotional barriers, your codependencies, your fears, insecurities, mm. um, and start focusing on, on what you could do to be the best version of yourself. That's such great advice. Yeah. I mean, do the work. Become the best version of a woman you can be. I mean, become healthy, confident, clear-minded, independent, 
physically well packaged. That doesn't mean you've got to be a supermodel. It just means you know how to put yourself out in public to show on the outside who you are on the inside. Mm-hmm. That's a really great way to say it. Yeah, I always say when we look our best, we feel our best. And it's, it's not necessarily doing it for anyone other than for ourselves. Yeah, it's a point of gratitude. I mean, yeah. when you yeah. accept that you can be, you know, all these great things internally, then you have gratitude for yourself and can show it out there. And I tell you mm. what, that becomes a whole lot more magnetic than showcasing what you're lacking on the inside. Yeah. yeah. There are studies that have been done that have said that one of the number one qualities in a woman that's attractive to men is self-confidence. And that doesn't come easy, you know, lack of confidence. Even though I took all those bold moves when I was younger and came into a new city and started my life, I mean, confidence is still my biggest barrier. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice to hear someone who's a grown-up who's successful saying that they still deal with issues around confidence. Yeah. And putting yourself out there. It's good to hear people say it out loud. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I don't hmm. take it for granted. I mean, I would love to share with you the the night before my wedding and how that really mm-hmm. impacted the rest of my my relationship. I mean, it was again. We've met, I mentioned that I was I was quite young. I mean, I was 22 when um, when we were getting ready to get married, and I all of a sudden had this deep fear that I was going to lose my husband. And that fear was perpetuated by him not having responded on his bachelor night out with all his friends. He was supposed to call in, and he didn't. And hormonal pregnancy, pre-wedding, you know, terrors took over. Yeah, it took over. And I ended up making some weird contract with God, the heavens, my soul. It was like just... Just let him come back to me safely and give us at least 30 years. Because, you know, you're 22, you're thinking 30 years is way long. It's old. You know, I was going to be old. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I held that, and it was like this seed that was planted in my subconscious. Mm. And I always, the, the bad part of that was it kept things a little bit in fear mode. But the great part is, is that, I didn't take the relationship for granted. I mean, we had some really hard times. We were still young, did some less than mature things. But it always came back to do what I need to do to make sure that we're going to be okay. Mm. And then, you know, I'm not one to have, like, panic attacks or, like, stress out that way. But it was getting close to our 30th wedding anniversary. And all of a sudden... I was in terror and waking up with nightmares and having panic attacks. I couldn't figure out what was going on Mm. until I was reminded that thought came back that I made this contract and I thought I had believed that I was going to lose him for our 30th anniversary. Mm. Not a healthy thing, but you just you've just got these programs. These things get stuck in. in our heads. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was in my subconscious. It was in my cells, and that yeah. is the belief. Yeah. That I was working on, and I finally had to just talk to a counselor about. It. I really thought if I said the words out loud, that he would disappear. I mean, it's just not mm. rational. But and so I went like six months with this 
overwhelming fear and it was getting debilitating mm-hmm. and it was affecting my health. You know, fear will mess you up. <laughs> yes, it will. And my, counselor, and my counselor looked at me and he said, well, you wrote this contract. Why don't you write a new one? And I had never even thought about that. Oh. So I rewrote the contract in my head, in, my, in meditation, in my thoughts, and just said that that contract is no longer real. We're going to mm-hmm. avoid that one out, and we're going to replace it with being together as long as the universe, you know, po- deem it possible. Mm. And from there, we became an even more effective and compassionate and loving team. Mm. But do you know it was the hardest thing for me to tell him that because I felt embarrassed. I felt, I felt a lot of things. Mm. And, and when I told him, I thought he was going to tell me how stupid I was, but he didn't. He just hugged me and said, I'm not going anywhere until it's my time. Yeah. And he just gave me a big old hug. And, you know, right. then I felt like, golly, I really messed myself up for six months here. Yeah, boy, that could have been, <laughs> gee, I wish I'd figured that out six months ago. <laughs> right. But I say that because who knows what we've programmed into our heads. Mm-hmm. And I can see, I can see my daughter has programmed some things into her head. She's seen great relationships around her, and somewhere I believe she had, probably has a belief system that there may not be somebody out there for her. Mm. You know, so I don't know. Just somewhere, get in touch with the thoughts that you have in your head, and see what belief systems you're creating, and what you're repelling, and what you're attracting in your life. Yeah. I love the fact that you said you wrote the contract initially, you can change it. Yeah. Isn't that powerful? It's so powerful because I think so many women and men Mm -hmm. have stories that they carry, that we carry, you know, with us about what's possible and what isn't. And we look for evidence to validate our stories. And so if you don't think you're going to find love, it's going to be hard to find it. Exactly, because you yeah. experience what you believe. Yeah, that's right. And it's not just for the young. I mean, my mother was married for 40 years. She, had, she was devastated and angry after her divorce. Mm. She was convinced she would never want to meet or need another man ever again positively recreated herself and became like the next great version of the woman she could be. Mm. And she was single during that time for about 15 years through this whole growth process. Then out of the blue, an acquaintance she hadn't seen in over 50 years came into her life. He wanted the same things that she wanted out of life. And at 76, my mother remarried. Wow. So right now, both my mother and my father each have married their new spouses in their late 70s and are now having their happily ever after and are having fun. That's such a great story. You know, I think 50 years ago, people got married really because it was expected. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as much of a choice as it is these days. And I think people got married a lot of times because they needed financial security and just all sorts of reasons that we don't have to get married for today. And people like our parents who maybe didn't make it with their original partner are finally able to choose the right kind of person 
to spend their lives with, and it's so hopeful to hear that. Yeah, it's the right kind of person, but at the same time, it's it's not someone that's going to help you survive through things. It's going to, it's going to be someone that's going to help you thrive and have fun, and you actually yeah. bring the best out of each other. Right. Yeah. It's not about survival anymore. Not at yeah. that stage. Yeah. So I guess the biggest thing is know which stage you're going into. <laughs> Especially when you're 40 or 50 years old and you're already accustomed to living a certain way, mm-hmm. it's hard to, to change. Well, it's, it is possible because remember that with change, something has to change. I mean, change, something yeah. has to be released or let go. Mm. So what if there were some parts of your life that you were just steadfast on holding on to, but that might be the exact thing that would be repelling or not, you know, attracting right. somebody into you. So if that's your non-negotiable, that's fine. Hold on to it. Yeah. But if it's something that you could let go of and release, and who knows what that is, And it's something that you could let go of in order to attract somebody into your life. I mean, think about it, how independent and strong-willed certain women are at that stage of their life because they've had to be. But what if you relinquish that just a little bit so you are more vulnerable and allowed somebody to take care of you? Because that may be what that man needs. He wants to take care of somebody. Right. I watched that happen with my mom. I mean, after 15 years in her 60s and 70s having to take care of herself, then that was mm. not an easy introduction. But it's right. very doable. Yeah, right. It it sure is. And I think out of fear and all kinds of things, women just hang on to that independence that I have to do it myself kind of thing and allowing someone to take care of you or at least help you out now and then is a really, really nice thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and take care of you. I mean, there's a whole different thing on that. It's just creating this this effective team so that, mm. you know, there will be days you're taking care of him, he's taking care of you, and taking yep. care could be simple as thinking about what the meal is going to be ahead of the other person. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, taking care of in such a, a different, harder way yeah, that if right, you have right. a disability or something, it's just being yeah. able to love and to serve each other. Yeah. Yeah, and if you can't release that or be vulnerable to that, then it, it, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Because that male ego is strong. <laughs> yeah, and everybody wants to make a difference. Yeah. You know, I think that we're so self-sufficient that we've almost put men out of a job mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes yeah. to just being gentlemen, just being nice guys. And they need that, and you need that as part of that partnership. And as yeah. strong as a woman as I am, it's that when I see that my husband's in that mode where he wants to take care of me, he will open the door, he will get me a glass of water, you know, mm. and it's just, mm-hmm. it's appreciated. And I show appreciation. I say thank you. It's like, oh, my God, the dishwasher got emptied. Thank you so much. Right. You know, it's just, oh, he left the cabinet door open again. Just change your mind. It's like, well, if he weren't there, you wouldn't have the privilege of closing the door. I mean, you're not, you're not yeah. a mother. You know, exactly. it's a partnership, and you just accept his shortcomings because God knows he's got to accept mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he just, you know, it's like um, 
this big, beautiful mess that you just kind of create together. And as long as it's loving and you can respect each other's space and laugh together, then, yeah. you know, for us, it's, it's working out pretty well. It's really nice. So anything else you want to say about your marriage or advice for women who are single? Really focus on being the absolute best person and the happiest person that you can Mm. while being single so that it makes it easier to attract in someone else that is that self-sufficient. And so when the two of you come together, your biggest issues are how you're going to release some of the things that you were doing that was so strong in order to have them come in instead of wanting them to come in and help fix anything. You never Mm. want to start a relationship where someone has to come in and and save you or fix you or lift you up. I mean, it it should not be that way. It should be two strong people coming together and creating a new new partnership and a new life together. Yeah, that's great. It's way too hard the other way. (laughs) It's way too hard. It, it, It usually doesn't work. Yeah. Right. Unless there's a lot, a lot of work that gets put into it and somebody starts growing up and realizing that it's going to take two. But it starts with you, though. You know, you can't you can't wait and rely on that other person to do things. So thank you for sharing with us about your marriage. That was wonderful. And for offering your best advice to women. And now that we know who you are in your marriage, tell us what you do in the world. In the world, well, along with my relationship with Larry, creativity and business, my passion, helping people impact others with their stories and their knowledge so Mm. that they can turn around and positively impact others is what I've created a business around. Wow. So this year, we're celebrating 20 years in business, and we custom publish beautiful association, trade, and niche magazines. And even more so by independently publishing effective books. So we're an independent publisher. Wow. I started started this company in 1998. I was working and managing other people's companies and going down a path that made me and my family miserable. So it seemed that everybody (laughs) was spending much more time with my family than I was. And Mm. I wanted to go back to spending time with my husband and my daughter. So I took another brave leap, and I started this business home-based. started as a home-based graphic design firm so that I can be home when my daughter came home from school and to be home when when my husband came home. Wow. So it was another phase of growing up and recreating myself to be one of those happier, healthier people, wife, mother. Um, And then the cool thing about kind of sacrificing in a good way, stepping into that role and really relinquishing myself as that super career person. I stepped into the role of really focusing on being a mom and a Mm. wife while building a business. Mm. And let me tell you, 10 years ago, I hired my husband full-time. He left his corporate job and came to work at my firm. That is so cool. And six, yeah, I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> and and six years ago, we hired our daughter full time. Oh so, my gosh! Committing to my role as a wife and a mom was mm. actually the best thing that I did to fuel my career and my business. That is fantastic. 
Yeah. So my company is called Spark Publications, and we celebrated 20 years in business. Our daughter turned 31. Larry and I will celebrate 32 years of marriage. I now own the building that houses our office. We work with a very talented team of seven, and we have amazing national clients that we would produce books, magazines, interactive websites. And I finally told my... uh, my family-owned story last year, and Spark Publications was awarded the 2018 Family Business of the Year by the Charlotte Business Journal. So I filled my life with love and support because I took the courage to become as strong as I could be, a confident woman, and just continue to do the work that I have in order to build this loving partnership and relationship. It fuels us both. I mean... I'm forever grateful for those blue eyes looking up at me from that drafting board 33 years ago. Um, Wow. I mean, we work together 24-7, 365. We love to go play. We've established strong boundaries in the company, so we know each other's roles. Yeah. I will tell you, though, we fight hard and we fight fast and everything (laughs) is out on the table. Yeah. So, you know, And your daughter gets to watch, apparently. Well... (laughs) Unfortunately, we've taught her the same pattern, so she yeah. and I fight hard and fast too. But everything yeah. gets put out on the table, so feelings aren't hurt a half an hour later because you're feeling a little raw. But yeah. you know, everything's been said, so you don't have this weird lingering stuff. And then yeah. you just you you come back and you know that it was done not in love at the moment, but that you do deeply love each other and you respect each other and. You rebuild whatever needs to be rebuilt at that moment. Yeah, fantastic. So if people want to reach you, it's sparkpublications.com. Yep, and if they want to reach me personally, I've just launched my second book, and it's called Fabulous F-Words of Business Ownership. I saw that. It looks great. (laughs) It's real. It's it's a bit raw. They say it's super honest. (laughs) And if you have anyone that's in your listening base that is looking to grow their business, if they have a small business or start a business, then the book is becoming valued by those that want to save probably about five years on the hard journey because I did it all the hard way. Mm, uh (laughs) And so I'm just sharing it. But also at Fabie Pressler. F-A-B-I-P-R-E-S-L-A-R.com is where I'm starting my personal brand. So I'm running my company and starting my personal brand. I've seen on your website several books that look really great. One is the fabulous F-Words of Business Ownership that you just mentioned. One is Mm -hmm. the 51 Weeks of Joy and one really crappy one. Yeah, that was a, a gift that we title. created for clients. That's we created so that for our clients. Yeah, you know, you do have yeah. those crappy times. You just need to build some tools in your toolbox to help you get through those yeah. and realize they carve and create a path to the next great thing. But shoo, yeah. it's not right. easy while you're in it. But that's right. the book also. is just It's just redefining choice words to fuel your small business. So it's all about how we redefine things. Yeah. The crappy things are going to happen. It's just life. Absolutely. Well, thank you so, so much. Well, this was powerful. Thank you, Tricia. I absolutely <laughs> agree. Well, I appreciate and love your format and love the work that you're putting out there. Oh, thank you. And thanks for sharing your marriage and the difference that you make in the world with us. We'd love to have you back sometime soon. Take care.
Well, that's it for this episode. Wherever you are at this moment, we hope that you can feel your own unique happily ever after taking shape. Until next time, I'm Trisha Bennett from all of us at Happily Ever After is Real. Thank you for listening and we wish you love. <laughs>